You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and I have a guest here with me today, one that I am excited to talk to because this is something that I love sort of looking at for myself, and that's seeing how my practice has grown and changed. So this is someone you've heard from before, but I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves and where you can find them online. Hi, I'm Asada. Um, online, I'm Asada De La Cruz on everything, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of that. Um, and I own an apothecary in Botanica called Savage Daughters. Um, it's rooted in traditional Black and Indigenous spirituality and ancestral wisdom. And most importantly, I'm a mama to a very feral three-year-old that will probably make an appearance at some point during this conversation. I'm sure. <laughs> That's me. Welcome back. Uh, you were on the podcast at this time about a year ago. So yeah. I am very excited to talk to you again. And basically what we're going to talk about is, you know, changes and how you've grown and changed in a year because you've grown, your daughter has grown. Like it's wild to think about where you were at this time last year. And I love having the podcast for exactly that format. Cause for me, my practice is totally different from when I started in this podcast in 2020. I'm like, wow, I am not the same person. Yeah. So what have you been up to in the last year and what are some of the major changes that have been going on for you? My goodness. So the last time we did this, it was literally exactly a year ago within like literally a few days. <laughs> um, and so I just opened up my apothecary. I opened it up on Samhain of last year. So I feel like when we first did this, I was a very doe-eyed and like, yay, I'm going to do all the things and <laughs> world on. And it was, yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> it's been an amazing <laughs> year. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's just, yeah, I have grown so much in my own practice and learned so much about stepping into the business side of things and how that has shifted my own practice and my own worldview a lot. Like I said, when I also started, my daughter was like barely two years old and just so much growth happens like when they turn three. So I feel like she's an entirely different person. So that has pushed me so much. So yeah, I just, I reached out to you because I listened to that interview and I was like, wow, who is that girl? Like we should probably like, do this again. Like, I was like, I don't know her anymore. No, I love that. There's a lot of self-reflection and like growth just in that statement at all to even recognize that because so many of us are resistant to change and not wanting to admit that we've changed so much and, you know, learn and grown that much. But I think it's more common than we, <laughs> than we like to admit. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I've always been one for like self-reflection. Like that is a huge part of my craft. And I feel like all of us within wherever you land on like the witchy spectrum that if you're not growing, then like, you're not really practicing. <laughs> like there's no way we can just stay in one place. We should always be learning and growing and open to that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. That's something that I have been learning since the start of this podcast, but I just love going back and listening to my old statements. I'm like, I believe nothing of that anymore. Yeah. It is crazy what time can do. So let's talk about your business. What are you up to and what have you learned since you um, have been doing this for a year? 
Oh my goodness. Well, first major thing is that I've gone through a name change. <laughs> so when we first, when I first started, I launched a business as Cottage Core Rising. And me changing the name was such a huge, like monumental thing, even in my personal life. I feel like when I first started, I had all of these goals for representation. Like I felt like in the witchy world, you didn't see a lot of like black and indigenous people. Like it was a very white suburban housewife <laughs> like kind of um like industry that was what you saw represented so I wanted my business to be different from that but somehow when I still started I was so caught up in that trap of that I needed to practice a certain way and say certain things and even the name within like the cottage core movement which was a very white world <laughs> I was like that was the name I gave my business and really honestly a few months into it I was like this is not me like if I want to have this witchy business for representation I wanted to be something that's true to me and my culture and not me trying to fit into a world that I'm not a part of um and so I ended up I changed the name to Savage Daughters um there is um a very popular song um, that by that same name that's about um, kind of being this wild woman and like not embracing the norm and being true to who you are like as the savage daughter like of mother earth and I felt like that really resonated with me and especially having my as I call my feral daughter all the time like this was something that really represented me and my personal life and so I wanted to name my business that so I changed the name to Savage Daughters. Um, it's been really amazing. Like I've gotten to, um, I am still, I grow and forage for all of my own herbs that like I use for my products. And I've also started teaching a lot because for me, I feel I've been so blessed with being like a hereditary witch and a generations of medicine woman. So I have always maintained like all of this knowledge, but so many people don't especially within the diaspora like so many people have lost that connection to like their ancestral roots and traditional spirituality and so since I have that knowledge I feel so strongly about sharing that with other people that's why I love doing these podcast interviews and I teach classes every two weeks um, of sharing just everything that I know so it's been a lot of um, growing and making my products and a lot of teaching I've started hosting moon circles every full moon um, I've gotten to travel outside of the country a lot to learn more from like elders. I just came back from two weeks in Mexico to reconnect with people there. So it's just amazing. It's been a lot. Stephanie. <laughs> it's been a lot. Wow. That the travel is just amazing. What a cool thing to get to go and experience. I feel felt really strongly of that. I love that my family is all situated in the same place in the Southeast. And that's where like our ancestors, when they first came here, that's where they settled. And my family has never left that exact spot. Um, and I think there's so much beauty in that, but I really felt strongly that for me to really have this whole journey, I needed to go where we actually originated. And so for both sides of my family, like my family is black and indigenous. And so the 
black side of my family is Yoruba. And so we come from um, a small tribe in West Africa. And I really want to go visit there. And I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. But I was granted the opportunity for the indigenous side of my family, which actually originated in what's considered modern day Mexico now. So I was given the opportunity to take a trip there for two weeks and reconnect with the land. And there's just so much beauty and like actually being in that physical space of where my ancestors were and I felt like such a connection to the land and got to reconnect with so many people and learn things from elders and visit spaces that my ancestors actually prayed in and it was just it was an incredible experience that I haven't even like written about publicly because I just don't even know what to say I feel like I'm still in that space of just soaking it all in that's beautiful what an amazing experience. Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't wait it for you to do more travel. And if you're going to go to Africa, that's absolutely fantastic. Hopefully within the I'm, next year. Within the next year? Yeah. I'm putting wow. it out there in the universe. It's happening in the next year. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I am, I am so excited. And I'm just, I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, I don't fly. I'm terrible. Uh, I'm terrified of planes. So I'm just going to live vicariously through you. <laughs> just totally live through me I get it um there's definitely I was very shocked because a huge part of this as I mentioned before like everything in my practice is centered around like me being a mama so if I'm going through this I want her to have those experiences as well and so I was very scared like our first trip like I didn't you know, I'm sure you've gathered right now. I don't do, do things small. So I was like, <laughs> my daughter's first trip ever on a plane. We're going to go to Cuba. Like, we're not even going to ease into this. So her first time flying, she was two years old and we took a trip to Cuba and she was amazing. She was better than I was on the plane. So I'm glad that she kind of has that travel bug too. And she loves getting on planes with me. Oh, that's so sweet. Like, yeah. Find that from your two sides that the spirituality and the witchcraft in there are very different, or are they really similar at their roots? It is so similar. And I think that was a huge part of my growth within the last year. Of I feel like for most of my life, I've kind of battled both sides, or not necessarily battled, but I felt like it was two distinct practices. So I would always be like, this is like for my Yoruba practice. And then this is my indigenous side. And like, it was two separate things. And finally, it was literally through so much like prayer that like, I just had this amazing moment and this connection with like both of my ancestors, where I was like, all of this has culminated into one person, like into me. So that means that these things are supposed to fit together. I don't have to keep them separate. And so now I don't like all of it, everything I do is completely entwined with each other. And I think that is something that's beautiful about people living in the diaspora because we were disconnected from our original ancestral lands we had to kind of mix together and figure out a way to work together and to hold true to what is truly at our core but also to make it work for like this new land that we're in and so i've found so much beauty in that and that it does melt together i like that because i have interviewed a lot of people in America who feel that way that their you know bloodlines are just so muddied there's so much ancestry there and like how do they pick and choose but they don't have to pick and choose they can grab everything together and make it their own yeah I think that was 
such a beautiful reason where like I kind of really like many years ago embraced like the spiritual path that I'm on because I was in a as I know I feel like a lot of us were like in a very traditional Christian type um faith and home where like I felt like I had to choose this one distinct path and like this was the only way to my higher power and I had to do all these things exactly this way and I felt very trapped and very boxed in because it was denying so much of like the spirituality and my relationship with the higher power that was in my core because of my ancestral ties and so finally just kind of letting go of that box entirely and embracing like what I actually felt in my spirit was just it's amazing once you realize that you don't have to trap yourself into this box and you can truly listen to your spirit and go wherever it leads you which leads me directly into my next question because I I got a lot of I put out the survey as you know at the end of every year mm-hmm. asking you yeah. know, what, what people want to hear about and who they want to talk to and I feel like there was a lot of the question that came up that was similar to your story where I am of black or indigenous background and I don't know what to do because there are no resources for me. So do you have any tips for people who were in the same place that you were of where they can go for resources, where they can get started um, if they're feeling the same way? Um, Well, for me, my story is a little bit unique in the sense of that, for instance, with me, when my family, like my Yoruba side of my family, when they were brought to America, they were brought over on an illegal slave ship after slavery was already abolished in America. Like it was already done. These two old white guys were sitting around drunk one night and was like, hey, I bet I can still bring some slaves over. And they literally bet each other to see if they could do it. And so they brought, they went over to where my family was and they brought over these slaves on a ship called the Clotilla. And it landed right here where I live now um, in a, um, a little town in Southern Alabama, right outside of Mobile. And it's called Africa Town. And so once like the government got wind of it, that they brought these slaves here, of course they were forced to free them, but they had nowhere to go. So everyone stayed and settled in this little area and, then, and no one ever left. And so all their kids and their kids and their kids all stayed there. And that's where I grew up. Like I grew up in Africa town. So we never really lost that direct connection. So because of colonialism and white supremacy and all those things, we did sort of start to adapt to like this Christian religion and started taking on a lot of those beliefs and like started a church. But we still never really lost our spirituality and a lot of our teachings and our medicine. So that was passed down to everyone in my family. And I feel super, super grateful for that because there's no other group in America that has that story. Like everyone else was brought over way longer and they don't know exactly what tribe they came from. They're not connected to those people or anything. And so I feel very strongly that's what I said about my teaching of that I do have this direct connection that I never lost. And so I do everything I can to share with other people. Um, so in terms of resources, not to like, just plug my own self, but, <laughs> but you should. I do, uh, <laughs> 
I'm working on getting better about that. But um, I I teach twice a month. Like I um, I try to do more often than that, but at least twice a month. Like I teach classes on literally everything that I know. Um, I am a chronic oversharer on the internet. <laughs> so on TikTok and Instagram, like I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to teach everyone everything that I know. Um, because I do recognize that with both sides of my family, the reason a lot of this knowledge isn't accessible is because gatekeeping in a sense is what has kept us alive. <laughs> like that's what it has allowed us to be able to, to still practice and to not lose any of these things because it hasn't been tainted by this outside world. And so I totally recognize and I understand that. So there's some things that I don't share, but I also feel like you said, there's so many black and indigenous people that for reasons that are not their fault, like they have totally lost connection to like their roots and they should, their birthright is having this information. So I try to share as much as I can. Which sounds like in the last year, even more so you've figured out what you are being called to do. Yeah. Like I've always felt very called to teaching, but I also like a lot of people struggle with like imposter syndrome and then like, Oh, I don't know if I should be the one doing this. And so I fought it for so long. And it was like, every time I would post something online and people would be like, Oh my gosh, like I've been looking for this. I never knew this. Can you tell me more? And I'm like, Oh, well, I guess I can. <laughs> and it just kind of grew from that. And that like, yeah, I feel very strongly of that for anyone if you have any sort of knowledge that's the only way that like our communities can continue to grow and sustain themselves is if we're sharing that with other people do you have any tips for somebody who's in your same situation on how to grow their confidence because i don't get that like <laughs> no <nope. laughs> from, from you at all i feel like you are so on top of things and like you share everything so beautifully so it surprises me that you say that. well <laughs> Thank you for that, because I don't feel that way at all. Um, I think a lot of things for me is that I feel such a strong connection to my ancestors and to my higher power. And I feel like they have gifted me with so many things. And so that it would be disrespectful to them and to my practice if I didn't share it if I didn't do what they asked me to do. So for me, I often feel like I'm just a little kid doing what I'm told. <laughs> like, they told me I have to share these things and so I'm doing it. Um, and so for me, I guess, in terms of growing that confidence is a lot of, I guess, fake it till you make it because I don't, <laughs> I don't feel that confidence that you say you see at all. Um, but I just, a lot of things in my practice is obedience. And it's like, I've asked to be able to, retain this knowledge and to be able to have my heart and my eyes open to more knowledge always and to have these opportunities. And so that means I have to give something in return. And I feel all that's been asked of me is to share these things. So regardless of like how hard it is for me, of like how sweaty my palms are even right now having this conversation, like I have to push myself to do these things. And so I just I keep, it sounds crazy, but I just keep putting myself in situations that make me uncomfortable and that I hate <laughs> um, until eventually <laughs> what I've been told from all the books that I've read is that like, oh, eventually it gets easier. And I mean, I'm in like almost 20 years, two decades of like practicing my craft and being public now and it still hasn't gotten easier, but one day, 
It's going to get there. I believe it. <laughs> I feel the same way. I'm like, is this ever going to get easier? No. Because I feel like that's part of growth though, right? Like as soon as something starts feeling easy, I'm like, okay, on to the next thing. <laughs> like I just got to like challenge myself or something. I mean, I think that's true. As like I said, if you are stagnant, like that's when, I mean, when you're comfortable, I feel like you're stagnant. So you're not truly growing. So that like scariness, that fear that you're feeling, like a lot of times that's good. That's telling you that you are on the right path and you're supposed to keep doing this and that you should keep going. That's how I feel too. And, you know, I have that imposter syndrome as well. I think we all do when we create content online and share stuff like this. And I just keep telling myself that imposter syndrome is normal and I shouldn't want to be a big fish in a small pond because then I'm not learning anything and I'm not going to grow as a person. So imposter syndrome is telling me I'm on the right path. <laughs> well, I mean, to brag on you for a second, like I don't see that in you at all <laughs> because of even a year ago, like I reached out to you. It was like, Hey, like, I'm just going to shoot my shot here. Like, I really, really love your podcast. I listened to every single episode. I've seen everything you've ever posted. <laughs> And I was like, please, will you like humble like this mere peasant and let me oh <laughs> like, have a conversation with you? So I think you are amazing and you contribute so much to our community. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely do not feel that way. But for anyone listening, if you want to feel free to shoot your shot, I <laughs> love talking to all different kinds of people. So you are welcome here. You're welcome on this podcast. Uh, you do not have to have huge followings or be a famous author or anything like that. I just love growing the community and giving people a voice. Yeah. So do you have any tips or maybe rituals for somebody to begin connecting with their ancestors if they are totally new to the idea? Yeah. Um, so it's crazy. I literally just taught a class last night on this. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I actually, yeah, I teach an ancestor class. The next time I'll be teaching it is in February. But one of the things we talked about, and I really wanted to stress with people is that your ancestors are just people that want to have a connection with you. They want to have this relationship. They are waiting for you. So there's not all of these hoops you have to jump through and all of these, like you have to be in a certain place in your life and have all these things. Like, no, they're just waiting just like any other relationship. And so I have always treated my relationship with my ancestors, like every other thing in my life. It's like, Hey, you're trying to get to know me and I'm trying to get to know you. So the way to do that is to spend time with each other. So every day, like all throughout my day, I'm trying to connect to my ancestors. So I start off like very first thing in the morning, like I want to give my day to them. And so like I have my ancestor altar set up and like this is a thing that I involve my daughter in. And so we go down together and we have like our like ceremonies that we do like with our candles and like all of that. But then like such a huge part of it is just being like, hey, what's up? Thinking about you. Like, this is what I'm doing today. Like, I would love it if you were there with me as I did these things. And it's a lot of like, not asking them to do anything for me, just asking them to be with me like you would anyone else. So like, hey, I'm doing these things. Like, I want you to be there. I want you to be a part of this. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I start my everyday. And then throughout the day, like, I probably seem like a crazy person because sometimes I catch myself doing it out loud, but I'm like, Hey, if you see that, 
Like, what do you think of that? Like, give me a sign. Does that feel weird? Like, does that person like do this? But it's like every day, just how I'm like Marco Poloing like my friends. Like I'm also doing that with my ancestors with every single thing throughout my day. And since they feel included, that is not something where unfortunately a lot of people make this mistake of like whenever they need something or they're in some sort of duress that's when it goes to their ancestors and like oh please be with me like help me get through this situation but it's just like with any other friend like if you don't want that friend that's only calling you every time they need something (laughs) and only hitting you up if they need you to like do something for them that's how your ancestors are and so I feel that since I've cultivated this relationship where they're with me constantly in everything that I do they want to be a part of my life. And so when I do need them, they're like, hey, well, this was what I can do to help you in this situation. Um, so a long-winded answer <laughs> to say <laughs> that I think the place that you start is just really trying to cultivate that relationship where they can actually get to know you and your heart and your intentions. And so then they're more apt to want to be more in your life and help you out when you actually need it. That's a great answer. I, I think a lot of people struggle with that, with witchcraft in general, that they only turn to it and only do some like spell work and meditation when there's a problem. But you can use all of these tools for happiness and joy and creativity and adding a bit of fun into your day too. Yeah, because it's, I mean, this should be like your spirituality should be your whole life. Like there's no like... Because um, one of the series of classes that I teach is called Practical Magic, and it is based on this idea of that everything in your mundane life, per se, is something that you can make spiritual. Like it doesn't have to be just everything doesn't have to be high magic and ceremonial magic where it's like, Oh, I have to put on my fancy cloak and (laughs) light all the expensive candles and line the crystals in this grid and do a sale. Like it doesn't have to be that like every single part of your day and everything you do can be made magical. And it's just all about you cultivating that life that you want for yourself. I agree completely. I think that's such a good way to look at your spirituality and your practice is to just make it part of the everyday and it doesn't need to be something so convoluted and complicated. It really can be very simple. Because then that's what stops you from really, like we talked about like growing. Like if you feel like there's all of this work into it and I can only do it on like these certain like high holy days and where these certain things like you're not going to grow because it feels like it's so much work and I'm not saying and not to take away from people that do practice like ceremonial magic and there's a lot of things in my own personal practice that are very traditional and do require a lot of things like part of our trip that we talked took to Cuba over the summer was because of like the ceremony that like I needed to perform that only could be done in a certain place with certain people so I totally recognize that but like your everyday practice doesn't have to be that and I think that's what so many people get turned away from reconnecting with their ancestors or even starting any sort of magical practice at all is because they feel like they're not equipped and that they don't have like all of these things that they need. But like the only thing you need to start a magical practice is yourself. <laughs> like you are the magical being. Like all these other things are just extra icing on the cake, like things that you can add to enhance your experience. But the magic like comes from you. So as long as you have that intention and that heart that you want to do these things, then like that's it. Like that's all you need. 
I think a lot of us who grew up in that Christian sort of background and then came to witchcraft and sort of left that religion have that same sort of feeling because that is very, it is a very structured religion. You do need mm -hmm. a church and a priest and certain steps that you meet along the way and certain ways to pray or to confess things like there, there's a lot of rules in that. So I think we are still trying to <laughs> debunk yeah. some of that and deconstruct what we like learned in childhood. So that I, th I think a lot of us feel this way. Yeah. Deconstructing is very real and very hard. And like, I thought that like, oh, I'm so evolved. Like I'm good. Like I don't need these things, but I catch myself like, all these years, like, like I said, I have been openly like practicing for as it's 20, almost 22 years now. And it's like, and I still catch myself a bit like, oh, wait, I can just do that. Like, I don't need anyone to tell me like, cause I grew up, um, I grew up Catholic and, and so Catholic is very <laughs> ritualistic and very like, okay. So sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, cause it was crazy. Like I had a situation in my house because it's, my family's very complicated and that we grew up Catholic, but it was very like, like I said, we lived in Africa town with our same like traditional like views and values and stuff. So it was nothing for like, okay, we're going to mass. But then like afterwards, like we're coming home to like all of our candles and like our altar set up and like we're feeding our ancestors at the altar before we go to mass. And like, so it was very complicated, <laughs> but I didn't have a traditional um, Catholic upbringing, but it was still like, I remember when I moved into like my new house that I live in now. And one of the first things like my mom said, it was like, Oh, well you should contact your local priest and make sure they come and bless and cleanse your house before. And I was like, oh, okay. And it literally just never occurred to me that like, I can do this myself. And so now like two decades into my craft, I finally hit me of that. Like I can bless my own house. I don't have to contact like a priest at a church and have them do it for me. So I think deconstructing is one of those things that never stops. <laughs> I feel like for my whole <laughs> life, I'm going to be finding things where I'm like, oh, wait, like this is something that I've been conditioned to believe that isn't necessarily true. Yep. Yep. Lifelong struggle. And my husband was raised Catholic as well. And he still is. And I do not begrudge him any of his beliefs. I let him do his thing. So we did in fact have a priest come bless our house when we first moved in, but then I did all of my own things too. So yeah. there's a way to like make them work in tandem, but there are times that I like will slip myself just being around him that I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm doing your thing. And I don't believe that. So I need to like take a step back, but it's just so easy to slip back into old habits. I think there's so much beauty in like a major thing that I learned this year, I feel it in my personal craft was that I, that you can keep the things that work for you and get rid of the things that don't, you don't have to like throw out all of it. And I think I spent a very long time being so angry I think with a lot of like things that happened to me within like church world that I was just like no screw it all like I'm so done and like this year was like part of my growth was like no I actually do believe that or I enjoy that or I get peace from this and I can still do these things I don't have to like embrace all of it like for me like I still pray the rosary every single day like, I feel very, very connected, like, to Mary. That is a huge part of my personal practice. And that was actually why we went to Mexico. And we did. We went to make the pilgrimage for Our Lady of Guadalupe. 
for her feast day. So like those things are still very special to me. And so I'm like, I don't have to get rid of those. And I think for me personally, deconstructing was realizing that like, I do have the power. So I don't need an authority to tell me that like, well, if you want to do these things, if you want to pray the rosary, you want to do these things, you also have to do like X, Y, Z. It's like, no, I can just pray the rosary. <laughs> you can keep the rest of that. <laughs> like, I don't need that. Like, I just want this thing. And like, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, my, my daughter was baptized in the Catholic church. Um, and I, I don't know if there's certain like sacraments and stuff that we do. Cause my husband is still practicing Catholic as well. And I, say I'm Catholic-ish like that's how like I generally describe myself I don't think the Catholic Church considers me Catholic but, like, but I still feel very strongly and have a special place in my heart for a lot of the traditions and stuff that I grew up in I think part of my deconstructing was realizing that like I have a problem with the Catholic church as an institution and all the horrible yes. things that they have done to black and indigenous and queer people and continue to do and yes. have no desire to change those things. So for me personally, I can't be a part of that institution, but that doesn't mean that a lot of the teachings and the beauty that I found in the church, I have to get rid of just because I'm not a part of that institution. I agree with that completely. I think that's where a lot of people's issues lie as well with the institution which is very much man-made man-based man right. like that's that's where a lot of the issues come from um which my husband says the same, same thing he's like you can't blame god for that that is right you know, a problem that a begins and ends with man yes i a thousand percent agree so before we wrap up here you know last time last season i was asking what advice would you give a beginner? So this time I want to ask you, what advice would you give to somebody who's on like the next step up, who is moving away from sort of just dipping their feet in and they are looking to grow and expand this year? Hmm. I th never feel like you've made it and that you've had <laughs> yes. it all figured out and that you're not a beginner. Like I, I think so often people are like afraid of that beginner term and like, or in witch talk I'm not a baby witch like no we're all baby witches and we're always <laughs> baby witches and the second that you feel like you're not like you have stopped yourself from growing um like I said I have been like I grew up in this craft per se and I actually decided to take it on and embrace it as my life for like over two decades now and I still identify as a baby witch because I feel like the world is constantly expanding and like whatever you believe about like your higher power, if it's God or or whatever, like that's an like infinite thing that's out there. You can never know all there is to know. And so you're always going to be a baby. So I think my advice would be to be like, stop thinking you're not a baby anymore. <laughs> and that like, you don't have to grow and you don't have to learn and that you can't pivot and change things. Like, I feel like within like our culture of like, I think a lot of social media and cancel culture and like all those things, like we feel like we can't grow. And like, once we say something that we're stuck in that forever, and that's where like the way it has to be. And we're afraid to pivot. And it's like, don't be afraid to pivot. Like with me, like with my business, like I invested so much money <laughs> and time and everything into like being one thing. And then like, 
didn't feel it in my spirit. And I'm just like, I can't continue this for the rest of my life. And like, I don't feel it. And so I pivoted and I changed the name and branding and like everything. And like, and that's okay with everything in your life, especially when it comes to your spirituality is don't feel like you have to stay in one thing. If it's not, if you've grown and something's not aligned in your spirit anymore, then leave it and move on to something else. Like at the end of the day, like your spirit is the most important thing, not what like other people think about you pivoting, not of like what you said last week, like you and your spirit right now is what matters the most. So continue to grow, continue to change and pivot and do whatever keeps you like aligned, like whatever your like higher power or your practice is. That's a great message. I love that. And it's totally in line with what we hit, were intending for this episode to follow up on, you know, one year ago, what we were like a year ago. So yeah, thank you so much for being here again and for sharing the updates to your story. Thank you. I'm sure I'll see you again in a year because I'll be a different person next December. <laughs> I would be very excited for that. <laughs> The listeners, that is everything that I have for this week. I will have all of the links, all of the social media that we talked about in the show notes over at whichwednesdays.com. But that is everything. And I will see you guys next week. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at whichwednesdays.com.